Morning, Noodleberg, Daily Huddle. And we're back as promised. We're here. Welcome to Wednesday. With some great folk, Collins. Need a little volume. Yes. So the name of this song is very apropos for today. Something you always. Today's great. So good goes so bad. Listen to that. You're flying high in February. Bam, March. Shot down in May. All right. Frank Sinatra, thank you. Good morning, guys. Dorsus, thank you so much for the note. That was very nice of you to send. I really appreciate it and appreciate the feedback. Good morning to the tourist team. Good morning, Java time. And, uh, Peter's got it right, Peter Tolman. Say hello to the network, baby. People are here to work. Get up and go. I absolutely love that. For those that are new, we start every day with music. I had a great conversation with Scott Smith yesterday, all the way from Alabama, and we just connected on music so much. It works, baby. It works. What a phenomenal conversation with him. Sherry Cedar. How are you, Sherry? Oh, they're flying in this morning, baby. By the way, Sherry, you spell your name phenomenally because that's the way my mom spells Sherry, which is not the common way. A great way to spell Sherry. Something happened on the way to heaven. All right, we're going to uh, we'll turn down the music. We'll get today started. Um, first of all, gigantic shout out to my friends Lou Langer and Joni Knight. Uh, my favorite steakhouse is back. We had dinner last night at uh, Abe and Louie's. If you've not been there, there's only two of them on the planet, one in Boston, one in Boca. Uh, Boca opened up last night, and man, let me tell you, they got their act together. Phenomenal. The food uh, the food is always great, but the food didn't miss last night. Not, not, a, not a beat. And the way the servers were prepared, constantly using sanitizer every time they came to the table, the way everything was touchless. And, you know, when you went to the bathroom, you really didn't have to touch anything. Um, just the entire experience felt safe, felt good to be back in Avon Louis. And I am excited to make that a trip, uh, maybe weekly. So very uh, great, I, great. I, we could do that. I mean, it was certainly really fun. Last night was a friends and family night. They invited uh, people in to do a test run because there's all new protocols, all new. The bathrooms were blown out. And so it was really very safe, very comfortable. Um, I didn't feel like our experience was tarnished at all. It was fantastic. So kudos to my buddy, Lou Langer, um, Tavistock Group. You guys knocked it out of the park. It was great. Um, he told me I was his first call. So uh, you want to talk about uh, your network and referrals. He said, as soon as we put together a friends and family night, you were my first call. So whether that was true or not, it made me feel damn good. <laughs> right. So, Enhance the experience, which is what we always and talk shout about. Out. It's a great, great service. So uh, lots of people flowing in this morning. Uh, Quincy Faison 
Uh, great to see you in the huddle. Been a while. Uh, you and Mark should connect on uh, all the ways that you've used football in sport, uh, in business, because you are you are killing it, my friend. I'm glad to see you here. Um, anyway, so um, one last shout out. Chet Tart, who usually comes uh, in the huddle, sent me a happy birthday card, a physical card. The time. Mailed it, put a stamp on it, and basically said, thanks for adding value every morning. Those are the kind of things that keep us going. Um, in the conversation I had with Scott Smith yesterday, he was like, you do the huddle every single morning? I said, yeah, and I do a podcast every afternoon. He goes, wow, what a commitment. And guess what? That's what life is all about. It's about commitment and doing it. And so uh, having fun. So um, we had a great day. It's really about what we're going to talk about today. So I was I was giving you the the spike. <laughs> I'm giving you up. The volleyball is right at the net. Share what we're going to talk about today because it really was a great conversation last night. It feeds no pun off of what they did at Abe and Louis and what great sales professionals do. So you know, there's a lot of P's out there, and we're actually in the process, which is another P of uh, putting together a mastermind class that we're going to kind of put together all of our content and put together an eight week curriculum of, you know, what the actual per perfect fundamentals are going about sales. But the most important P, which I don't care what industry, if you're a professional, the most important P is preparation. And that's what we're going to talk about today and preparedness and coming from coaching in a world where you spent every hour of every day preparing for a 60 minute match once a week, you're working 16 hours a day, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday for 60 minutes. So the amount of preparation that went into that and the different kinds of preparation we're gonna jump in today and how that directs directly to sales. So, so I love it, you know, it's interesting you know, uh, when I wrote the book, people would ask me, hey, like, how long did it take you to write the book? And I would tell them 40 years and they would like crack up and I go, I'm not kidding. I've been I was prepared all along to write that book. Writing the book was not hard. Uh, the 40 years of practice and trial and error and all of the things that went in to being prepared for that moment. Nobody looks at that. Nobody looked at Michael Jordan, you know, after getting cut from his ninth grade basketball team, how he prepared to be a champion. Nobody looks at every time he lost, how that hurt, and he turned that hurt and that pain into a championship mindset. So there's a couple of quotes I want to just jump in there. Um, Zig Ziglar, which if you don't know who Zig Ziglar is, just don't even get out of bed. Don't, don't bother. <laughs> I mean, clearly one of the, ma the masters of our time. Um, success occurs when opportunity meets preparation. That's one, which, which I really, really love. Um, ben Franklin, by failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. And then Bobby Unser, a great driver. Success is where preparation and opportunity meet. So um, there's so many examples. I want to chime Go. in on that because Go. I think also when people say, oh, you're so lucky. Like when I got hired at the University of Cincinnati to be the special teams coordinator at 27 years old, 
every every other young coach in America who was aspiring to get that kind of title looked at me and they're like, oh, wow, you're so lucky. And I was like, luck had absolutely nothing to do with this. The preparation that I had put in for five years prior to that led really more, nine years prior to that led to me getting hired at that point, right? Because the opportunity was there for it happened. So the preparation of taking all of the responsibilities that weren't mine prior to that and just taking on more, finding more things to do that prepared me to be at that spot of that opportunity is what got me that job. Luck had nothing to do with it. So when people say, oh, you're so lucky. No, I was prepared and it met opportunity. So, so I love it. Wade Heiner's back. I was just thinking about him. Preparation propels prosperity. You know, we, we have a whole curriculum based on mining your P's and Q's. Good morning, Melody, as well. So I want to I want you to think for a second. I know this is hard for some people. Turn off the distractions. Think for a second. The last time you were unprepared for something right now, there's an obvious one. Big elephant in the room. January, February, most businesses were experiencing the top numbers they've ever had. We were one of them to the moon. It was like no end in sight. You know, Wade talks about prosperity, unbelievable, just crazy. Well, how about thinking about when you were unprepared? Maybe you weren't prepared for that meeting, that interview, the dinner, the whatever, you know, the change in health status. I mean, things change on a dime and there is a learned behavior on how to prepare. You know, people don't look at that as a skill set, but preparation is unbelievable. I'll give you one example, real time. I was fortunate early in my career to actually travel with Coachula. We would go do his speech. And he had done um, a book with Ken Blanchard. And basically, he did the same exact speech every time. I have never done the same speech twice in a row. I just sort of have a format and I go with my gut. I sort of have a roadmap, but there's different stories and stuff like that. But every single time he went through the same routine on how to prepare for that speech, even though he did it a thousand times, it blew my mind. You know, we'd get up there and make sure that the platform was in the right place. His chair was in the right place. He knew he'd have a glass of water. He would go through the AV a couple of times. Unbelievable preparedness and in his life, preparedness equals perfect. How about that one? I love that. And that's exactly right. And for him, that comes from a, a lineage of understanding that when you prepare for a game, you want to prepare yourself so that you're not even thinking about what you're doing. It just happens naturally. But it brings me to another point for him, which I don't know whether or not he did this, but also preparing for what could go wrong. As you're Correct. going through that situation, what happens if the lights go out? What do we do right here? What happens if the mic goes out? What are we going to do right here? What happens if my water spills? Going through, as you're going through the perfect situation to make it perfect, you're also preparing yourself for what am I going to do if something happens? How am I going to be able to overcome the obstacle within that, that time frame? Thank you, Laura Brody. She said, my presentations were always great. Get to learn something new each time because they're not the same. That's exactly the, the point. You know, so it reminds me, I got the opportunity to speak at a sports marketing conference. And when it came time for me to go up, to your point, Mark, the AV went out. 
And the guy who was producing the event was having a fit. Oh my God, the AV is out. What are we going to do? I said, I'll just get up there and, and do my, my thing without the AV. And he goes, what are you talking about? I go, listen, I didn't just, you know, show up today to do this, man. This is my life. I know what I want to talk about. I prefer to have a, you know, a visual, you know, track to keep people focused. But the reality is I can do it. I went out there, I spoke for 40 minutes without any AV, no microphone, no nothing. He was like, dude, I've never seen anything like that. I said, if I wasn't prepared, if I was reading off the slides or if I didn't have it in my DNA, that one would have burned me. I wouldn't have had the opportunity to speak and, you know, all those kind of things. So, you know what, there is a linear process like everything else on how you prepare. Your preparation might be something different than somebody else's. I'm going to give you four that, that I pulled out. Being prepared enhances strategic thinking. So um, you may be thinking of, you know, whatever, but, you know, the night before you have options that you may not have in the spur of the moment, um, you know, you, none of us were born a strategic thinker, you become one. And so Malcolm Gladwell talks about the 10,000 hours. It increases flexibility. And this was a really key one for me because most people lock in on an idea or a, a, you know, this is what I'm gonna do. Well, being prepared allows you to be more flexible. Look at more options to your point if something goes wrong, um, this is a doozy. It actually develops resiliency. And we've talked about resiliency as something that is so, so key. And it actually helps you develop self-discipline. You know, I, we, we were talking before we got on this morning. Could you imagine if we just showed up and rambled here in the morning? No preparation, no process. Just, you know what? You guys would leave just as fast as you got here. The reason why you show up every morning is we're prepared. We're not winging this shit. We're giving you real kernels of information. Almost every dialogue I have now, someone says, hey, I want to talk to you about the referrals thing that you talked about this morning. And I'm like, that's amazing. I didn't see that name show up. And so it really is fabulous. So there's a couple of people talking about a lot of things that create preparedness. The number one thing that creates preparedness is research. And so taking it in a sports sense, you research every single situation that you think you're going to come across in a game to know that's Dino that just hopped in here this morning, by the way. So good morning from Dino. I, I wanted to get Dino in the screen. Oh, cool, so, man. Dino makes an appearance. Very um, nice. You research every situation. I'm throwing you off the screen, okay? No bark. <laughs> um, you research every situation to know what the opponent's going to do so that you're prepared to counter that move or, or attack that move the best way. Well, to me in sales, the research is on the person. When I go into a virtual coffee for the first time with somebody, I am so well prepared with their story, not so that I can show up and say, I know everything about you. Let me tell you all the things I learned about you. It's so that if they're not a conversationalist, if they're not great at talking, I know things that I can share about myself that might be intriguing to them because I've done my research on them, or I know the questions I want to ask to get them to expand upon themselves. So it's great when you walk in and somebody else is driving the dialogue and you don't have to do anything. That's the easiest one. But when you're sitting with somebody that you know you want to build a relationship with, 
You got to be prepared about who they are. You have to research everything you can about them in order to be able to steer the conversation. Yeah, you know, so it's it's interesting because, you know, we, we talk about this in our sales process. Doing the research is key. I'm offended when somebody gets their time with me and they go, well, tell me about on the ball. Well, you didn't do your homework, dude. You know, what do you mean? I'm all over social media, all websites, all videos. Why would you waste your time having me tell you what you could find out the night before and not be in the moment of relevant conversation? So instead, if I were to ask you, I see that on the ball has been in business for 25 plus years and I see the journey that it's gone on. I mean, if I'm correct, wasn't it a marketing agency at one point? And now you guys are helping individuals and businesses grow. Tell me about that story. Wow. Right? right. How does that change the conversation? Mad, right. mad, mad respect. Uh, Jim Barrett hits it completely on the head. It's proactive versus reactive. When people get the time with me or I get the time with another thought leader, I don't want to waste my time with stuff that I can find out ahead of time, you know? So it's really, you know, um, I develop the, the talk track long before I actually get the time. So it's basically theater of the mind. You don't see people on Broadway and unfortunately Broadway is not happening now, but people didn't get up there and just go, la, 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 la. they would actually have a, a talk track. So this is a question that I get all the time is, is, well, how much time do I spend researching a prospect, right? I feel like I'm spending too much time. Let me put this in, 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 you know, in, in perspective from my eyes, right? I just talked about this. We played one game a week for 60 minutes, three hours total, but 60 minutes of game time, right? I spent 16, 32, 48, 58. I spent 70 plus hours a week preparing for that one 60 minute game. So how much time is too much time to spend with that prospect? Because once you get that at bat, if you don't have a good at bat, whether it was a good opportunity or not, it's out the window because you wasted the opportunity because you weren't prepared. So am I spending too much time researching people to get as much information as I can before I have a conversation with them? I don't think there's a limit. I think to me, if you feel like you're spending too much time doing research, then you don't understand the purpose of doing the research. I love it. I, I, I want to bring up um, on Monday, I did the keynote for the Diabetes Research Foundation. They had 30 people that were doing a virtual two-day retreat. That's been, and, you know, love innovative thinking by their CEO. He had me kick off the, the keynote and then I closed the ceremonies yesterday when they were done midday, I did a little short presentation and then opened it up to question and answer. And one of the young ladies in the audience, the question was, she goes, you appeared so confident about what you did yesterday, passion and energy. She goes, how did you get to that place? And I said to her, it's a great question because number one is I'm totally prepared to what you needed to hear today. And I am, I am not selling it to you. I am not looking for your validation. I know this is the gospel. This is the truth. I do it. So I'm not looking for you to go, wow, that guy was great. You know I was great because I told you stuff that's actionable. 
I was prepared. I put together a 45-minute presentation that blew the wig off all these people. Why? Because most people are talking over their head or at them. I actually got in it and said, hey, here's what we do. Here's what great sales leaders, great sales people do daily. They prepare for this stuff. So it was so phenomenal that she asked that question. And so I think being prepared leads to confidence and confidence allows people to look at you as an equal, not as an underling. And I think one of the biggest problems in sales is people go in and get a meeting with the CEO and don't think they should be in that conversation. Oh, that's the CEO. I talk to CEOs like this, not up, down. I'm looking you straight in the eyeballs, dude. There's nothing that you can't ask me about sales that I can't share with you. Or that I'm not, you know what? That's a great question. I think that's the, the, that's the authenticity of it is that you know what you know. You go in saying, I know what I know. And I'm not afraid to tell you that, oh, you know what? That's a great question. I bet I could find the answer to that, but I don't have it right now. There's a confidence in being able to just have the conversation with people that all comes from preparedness. So we're at our hard, hard stop of 820. Um, I love it. Research, right? Research is the fundamental. Don't being you cut me off, son. Don't you yeah. cut me off. I'm on a roll, baby. <laughs> So uh, Daniel Goldstein, uh, Goodstein, uh, got it. He goes, I'm not looking for validation. I'm not, and neither should you. Most salespeople are looking for a pat on the back. My grandfather taught me way back when, do the job, do it better than anybody, get paid better than anybody, and don't worry about the warm hugs. They'll come from the people who really know you and love you. So you're right, it's a hard stop. So many new people. Felipe Lacarta's here. Uh, just just love it, love it, love it. Colin Austin, I'm actually, it's so great that you're here from Gainesville. We are actually tomorrow, Throwback Thursday, we're actually playing the podcast that the boys did uh, with you, which was one of my favorites at the end of, of last year. So last comment, and then we're out of here. It's the 182nd day of the year. There's 183 more days. Get out there. Do something that changes your direction and prepare for it. Ooh. Bam. Get on the ball. See ya.